What's up, Bruin Bible listeners? This is your host, Will Decker. Wanted to bring you the sponsors for today's episode, Bet Online, where the gambling starts. I've got a bunch of good bets going on right now. I've got the Lakers making the playoffs. We've got futures bets coming around for MLB baseball. March Madness is around the corner. NBA playoffs on the horizon, too. Make sure to check out all of the gambling and all of your gambling needs at Bet Online, where the gambling starts. Make sure to use promo code LAFB to get a little discount. Uh, everything is great on bet online. I use it weekly for all my gambling needs. Make sure to check it out. What is up Bruin Bible listeners? We have another advertisement for you. We are so lucky to be sponsored by the great people at athletic greens. Uh, I started taking athletic greens specifically because I was lacking energy, lacking focus throughout the day and needed some special pick-me-up ingredients to make things happen in my life. Athletic Greens has done just that. I've become absolutely addicted to the process. It has over 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, adaptogens to make your life easier uh, by doing this during the day. I like to take it to start my mornings off. I like to do it before a workout. It makes you feel energized, focused, and just have a lot more energy throughout the day than I typically expected. But right now, is the, it's the time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every single day. Uh, that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. Uh, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to be give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash LAFB. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash LAFB to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens, a game changer when it comes to your health and your focus and your mindset. What is up and welcome to your Sunday night edition of the Bruin Bible. Will Decker, your host, joined by the guy in the backwards cap to my right. Man, myth, legend. You guys know the whole spiel. Mr. Madman. Madman, how are we doing on this fine Sunday evening? Doing well, Thriller. It's been a, a nice, relaxing weekend. Obviously, you and I had a great time live streaming the Senior Bowl with some of our buddies at the LA Football Network and the Desai guys. So great to always spend some time with you and, and getting ready for the week. And what a what a perfect way to cap off the weekend and to talk about our Bruins. Dude, only way to go out this weekend. And I was thinking with the live you know, stream of the Senior Bowl, getting ready for draft talk, be kind of the perfect time to start talking about draft with the Bruin Bible. I mean, we ran our own draft show last year. Draft is in session. And we've got some Bruins that I think are either being slept on a little bit or are going to be straight stars when they get their names called in the NFL draft. So a lot of great things going on there, Madman. I want to start this off by giving you the floor, my man. This is our guy. We've He's already an all-time Bruin. He decided to come back after his junior year, uh, put up ridiculous numbers, 
and play, didn't even play two games this year. He missed the, you know, Sun Bowl against Pitt. He missed the Alabama State game. Averaged seven yards a carry. He got 14 touchdowns in 10 games. Zach Charbonnet. We've talked about him at lengths. I think this guy is going to be a star in the NFL. I think teams are going to regret passing on their next bell cow in Charbonnet. Madman, what is your take coming into draft season? Because this guy is a bruiser. He's elusive. He can add a lot of just different options. Where do you see him getting drafted when it comes to the NFL draft? Well, you said it best. And he is obviously the prize of the UCLA 2023 class. And oftentimes we're evaluating prospects and saying, where can they find a home? Where can they find a niche? Where can they make value in the NFL? And Charbonnet is one of those guys where the ceiling is completely different. You're talking about if Charbonnet reaches his potential in the NFL, this is a potential NFL rushing leader and an absolute superstar at the next level. Because for all the reasons that we've talked about all year, Will, just the versatility of what he can do, the bruising ability in between tackles, in in that tackle box, being able to break tackles, finish runs, the physicality. He's got that spring to take it to the outside and has very susceptible burst that sort of surprises you when he bounces it to the outside. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's built to be a great blocker and pick up some blitz actions. There's just everything that he can do. I've always said that he's a hybrid of a young Jerome Bettis with the feet, along with kind of that tenacity and physicality of Marshawn Lynch. And both those guys were all-time great. So the, the ceiling is as high as it can possibly be for Zach Charbonnet. I think given where the running back position has become more commoditized, become more of a specialist type of role, I think the ceiling from a draft position is second round. And I see him being in that second round as the second running back taken after a Bijan Robinson. And honestly, Will, you can make the argument that, you know, who really is better? I know Bijan Robinson has more national buzz. He has a, a lot kind of physically that people really love, but Zach Charbonnet is right there neck and neck. And we see a situation here with a home team in the LA Chargers where that could be a perfect fit with Charbonnet along with Austin Eckler in that two back system that Kellen Moore loves to utilize as he did with Dallas with Zeke Elliott and Pollard. And so I think there's a lot to be said for Zach Charbonnet. And looking back, Will, when you talk about impact in the NFL from a UCLA Bruin perspective, obviously we've had the likes of Anthony Barr and Kendricks, and we've had folks on the offensive line. But to go back to truly say Mercedes Lewis has had a tremendous year in the uh, career yeah. in the NFL that spanned nearly two decades, hard as that is to believe. But when you look at who is a UCLA Bruin that has the potential offensively to be an all pro, to be a pro bowler, to be a superstar in this NFL, you have to go all the way back to Aikman. And, and Zach Charbonnet has the ability to be the most impactful offensive player in the NFL since Troy Aikman. And so that's really what his legacy ultimately is as a UCLA Bruin. And we're so excited to see where he lands up because he is going to be an absolute difference maker for any team. We saw the impact that Saquon Barkley has had on the Giants. We saw the impact that early Alvin Kamara had on the Saints. We've seen the impact. Look at the state of the Niners once they made that trade for McCaffrey. The right running back in the right situation can propel a team several notches. 
from a victory's perspective. We talk about Travis Etienne in Jacksonville. That team went yeah. from a two-win team to divisional playoffs. So even though this position has become more commoditized, the right talent, the special enough talent, can really elevate your team. And that's what Zach Charbonnet can do for you. Yeah, and it's it's a great point, all great points that you brought up there. And I want to follow it up with Mike Renner, our old friend uh, from PFF. He came on the podcast. He had a really interesting point. Charbonnet, more of a bigger back, six foot one, 220 pounds. It's hard to believe he's 220. It seems like he's 230 the way he runs at times. But he said the average size of 1,000-yard rushers in the NFL last season was six foot, 220 pounds. He fits the bill of a running back moving forward. And it's just the little things he does. Like, I want a running back that is tenacious, not willing to go down. And he might be the best running back I've ever seen at that, covering the Pac-12 at least, and just what he's able to do. He was second in college football last year in terms of yards after contact. Think about this. He averaged 4.4 yards a carry after contact. Like, that is absurd. Like, that is almost a five-yard a carry average after the first guy touches him. Like, that's almost impossible Charbonnet is such a special talent. And the way the area that I saw him grow in, where I think it only boosted his stock, that I think is a little bit more underrated than other spots, he had 25 catches uh, in 2021. He had 37 catches and he missed two games. He had four or more catches in six contests last year. So I think just in terms of a versatility thing, which a lot of people were looking for, he checked a lot of those boxes for, you know, potential scouts and things like that. The Chargers are, you bring up a very interesting point with them maybe wanting to invest in the likes of Charbonnet. I think that would be a home run because in the modern NFL, outside of your freak Derrick Henry or, you know, Jonathan Taylor, it's a two back system. You need two backs. Eckler, for as gifted as he is, you know, and all versatility, they needed just another guy behind him that can make that push. I was hoping for Joshua Kelly, former UCLA Bruin. Don't think it's really worked out there to the level that they hoped for. So I think bringing in a guy like Charbonnet where you're in goal line situations or it's first and 10, you want to get six yards. I think this is a home run for the Chargers. So you had your comparison of Charbonnet being a young Jerome Bettis mixed with a Marshawn. I love that. That's such a fun comparison to have. I'm in the Corey Dillon camp. I just think running style is very similar. This may be before a lot of this Bruin Bible listeners, but he was with the Cincinnati Bengals, went to the Patriots, won a Super Bowl, very physical back, bigger back that had the fleet of foot similar to what Charbonnet had. And I implore anyone to go check out the highlights. That's the guy that I, I recognize very clearly when it comes to Charbonnet's running style. So Charbonnet, second round pick. Are you willing to lock that in, Madman? Absolutely, Thriller. I think that this is a second round pick. If, if he goes past the second round, I don't know what NFL GMs are doing and because th that would be the absolute steal. And I love Thriller, the Corey Dillon uh, uh, comparison as well. And we, we forget that Corey Dillon was an all-time Pac-12 running back. And, and when it was Pac-10 with the University of Washington and the Huskies, and he was actually used in, in a very similar way as Charbonnet was the last couple of years at UCLA in more of a spread it out type of system. It was zone read. He was able to catch out of the backfield. And we saw the tremendous years that Corey Dillon had, especially in those early Cincinnati years. So that's the kind of impact that we're looking at for Charbonnet. And he's the prize of this Bruin class. And he's going to be the prize of any team's draft pile stock class for that particular year. And I will, we did mention the Chargers, you know, with their two back needs. 
We also covered the Rams here at LA Football Network. They had issues galore. I think they've got to really replenish that roster completely surrounding yes. some of the star players they have. But they sorely need a running back. Cam Akers kind of figured it out at the very end, but it was a very tumultuous year for Cam Akers. Daryl Henderson not back with the team. They need help at running back. Do you think there's a chance that they could – I mean, it's a second-round pick. I would probably go offensive line, and I think I've got a perfect guy for him who's the next guy for us. But do you think there's a chance that the Rams could really research the local guy in Charbonnet and McVay can bring him in? Absolutely, and and there's there's no doubt about it. I'm with you, Will. I think what they really need is O-line help and, and, and you know, being able to protect Matt, Matthew Stafford and, and that whole bunch, but – a lot of the Cam Akers usage over the course of the second half of the year, you wonder whether that was an audition also to shop him in the offseason and really sort of retool that backfield around. You, you talked about the two-back system. They've got the one kid, Kyron Williams, out of Notre Dame, who they're high on. And if you can you know, parlay that with a Charbonnet, you've got two really young backs that now you're bringing some youth, you're bringing some vitality, you're bringing some explosiveness in the backfield. Now that play-action game opens up, that pace of the Sean McVay offense, of motion, and doing all the things pre-snap really open up for the likes of Cooper Cup, for the likes of Allen Robinson. So I think that's one position where if I'm sitting there in the second round and if the Rams have gotten a good O-line pick and they have a little bit of a backlog in later rounds of guys that they're feeling good about and guys that are going to be there in the later rounds, Charbonnet would be an incredible value pick. In the second round, Will, I would argue Charbonnet would be one of the best picks in the NFL draft from a risk-reward ratio standpoint because you're paying a guy second-round money, but you're potentially going to get first-round and beyond production. I mean, almost superstar-level production potentially if he's in the right spot. Yeah, completely agree. And I just want to give a, a poor poor re- review of what I saw from CBS sports. They have Charbonnet ranked as the 10th running back on their board. I mean, that's just, I mean, is that a USC fan grading that? I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> that is so brutal. PFF does have, have him as number three, which I think is respectable. I think the only other guy I can hear, I don't necessarily agree with the opinion, but I'll hear it. I think Jamar Gibbs is a really talented yeah. running back too. Yep. I think there's credence to maybe him and Charbonnet kind of duking it out for that number two spot. I personally have Charbonnet at number two. But, I mean, these are all projections, man. And I know what we got in Charbonnet. A lot of these scouts didn't even stay up late enough to watch him on the West Coast. Just throw in that Stanford film. And, dude, I was watching it today uh, before we did this podcast. I'm still getting over that screen pass where he broke, like, four tackles and then hurdled a dude going out of bounds. I mean, and I I talked about this with Wayne Cook a couple weeks back. That fourth and two run where two guys came up against Cal, and we need this to seal the game. Two guys come up and hit him, and he sheds them off like Superman and continues to go forward. I mean, Charbonnet's an all-time great, dude. I mean, Dulcich and Charbonnet, you know my all-time favorite Bruins. <laughs> it's like neck and neck at this point. I mean, Charbonnet might be number one because he I got two years of him covering the Bruins. So I think he's probably number one, which says everything. You know, Dulcich is my guy. So we love Zach Charbonnet. We think the world of him. I think he's going to do great things. Alluding to that offensive lineman we were talking about, no player on UCLA's roster stock has risen more than Antonio Moffi. And that was not always the case with him being looked upon as a great recruit. Chip Kelly was very blunt with him in the offseason. He goes, you're going to have to lose weight, you know, to essentially make the transition to the NFL. It was Moffi's dream to do it. 
Antonio Maffi, the guard, came out and had a monster year, lost 70 pounds, is now at 335. PFF ranked him as the third best, you know, blocking, run blocking guard, you know, in the entire country, not just the Pac-12. Went to the Shrine Bowl, really impressed out there in one-on-ones, run blocking skills. And there's just, the tape is just so awesome. It's, to, to put it in one word, it's just nasty, man. This guy loves to get down in the dirt and just block people and destroy them. And I think what we were really able to see with him shedding weight, Madman, was his ability to get to the second level quicker, you know, with that weight loss. He's able to react. I mean, the one block that blew up on, you know, social media was he was blocking uh, against Stanford in that game, and he sees a safety coming off the edge, reacts to it, moves over to his left, and pancakes the safety. I mean, it was just one of those textbook blocks you're looking at going, man, if you can get this guy in the right system, he's going to be a a guard for a long time in the NFL. Give me your thoughts on the big fella, Antonio Mafia, because I'm in love with this guy's tape, and I think he's going to be a solid pro. No doubt, Will. And, you know, his dad is a friend of the the network, and we're such a big fan of the Mafia family. And I know his dad was talking a lot on social media in the offseason about the regiment that Antonio was going to go on, and you were going to see kind of a completely different player uh, in the new year. And, and you know, there was an expectation that he was going to transform. And lo and behold, Papa knows best because Antonio Mafi was a completely different player in 22 than he was in 21. All, a very serviceable offensive lineman at the Division One level in 21, but he just elevated his game to a completely different level. And what I love about Mafi, and, and you've alluded to this, Will, in your take, is that lateral quickness of being and the peripheral vision, right? Of I've got my primary blocker. I've got really good technique. Mafi's very good with his hands, really good hand usage, but he's got the peripheral vision to know where kind of secondary pressure is coming from and how he sort of sheds his guys and picks up those secondary pressures. And whether that's a chip, whether that's an outright pancake, he's just really good. He's just so agile now. This is the right weight for him. And I think the other great preparation for him, Will, this year was being an offensive lineman for a quarterback like DTR, where so many times a play is going to go off script from what you're potentially expecting. So many times a play is going to go into that six-second, seven-second, eight-second scenario. And so you got to hold your blocks longer. And you have to be aware of where your quarterback is going to be and set him up for success. So in so many ways, being an offensive lineman for a quarterback like DTR as explosive, sometimes as erratic, sometimes as up and down, is actually the best preparation for an offensive lineman at the next level. And Mafi, Mafi was really the symbol of this whole offensive line. When you look at week one, and you and I have talked about this a ton, against Bowling Green to the end of the season, that was a completely different offensive line. And Moffey, along with the likes of Raekwon O'Neal and John Gaines, were really the linchpin to lead this Bruin uh, offense to the next level. Because what we saw week one, we weren't really sure what we were going to have over the course of the year. But Moffey was able to just transform his game. And when I look at him, Will, when I look at his style, when I look at just how he plays, he just looks like a stealer or he looks like a Raven. You know, it's, it's yeah. one of those two. And when you talk about how the Steelers like to move their offensive linemen, 
how they like to, you know, run toss sweeps, how they really like to kind of get to the edge. They really rely on quicker offensive linemen that can hold their blocks and move laterally. And Mafi just feels so much like a stealer. And then when you talk about what the Ravens obviously are trying to do, building around Lamar Jackson and have done so for the last half decade, you need that versatility of look because you can't run the same way. Even when you are a predominantly running team, you got to show different looks to create that variation for big plays. And just what Mafi can do for you there, this guy's got AFC North written all over him. I think I, when I close my eyes, I see him in that black and gold of the Steelers or I see him in that purple and black of the Ravens. No, I think those are great calls. And you alluded to a great point that we made last year with Sean Ryan. The flexibility of blocking for a dual-threat quarterback, it's a totally different game because you're blocking longer periods of time. You know, you're kind of going off script a lot of times. We're going to have to follow where the quarterback's instincts or his feet take him, right? So having that experience, I think, is invaluable for a lineman coming in the draft. And I do love the, you know, Ravens pick. They run the football as much as anyone in the NFL. I think that's awesome. I'd said the Rams, man. Rams had nine yeah. offensive line combinations in their first nine games last year. They could not get healthy at the line. John McVay is a guy, and I, I think people forget, he the offense is run through the run. Like his yeah. early success was through Todd Gurley. Like that's how they became a good offense. It's how things were able to run smoothly when they had an effective run game. When the run game shut down last year, this team was atrocious on offense. Like, there's no two ways to put it. They're going to have to really address the offensive line, in my opinion, in the draft. That's where I would go if I was Les Snead. Do you think he could be fit as a ramp? Because I think, like, you could put this guy as a left guard, plug him in, and just opening up holes for Kyron Williams. You know, maybe Charbonnet. I think Moffey's more of a third-round or fourth-round guy. But, you know, I think the Rams should really take a look at this guy as I know they need help on the O-line, my man. Well, uh, Thriller, you said it best. I mean, outside of Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald, the Rams need help everywhere. So <laughs> everybody's a good pick for the Rams, the state of the Rams right now. So no doubt about it with Antonio Maffi. And I think that – I think you alluded to it best because of what, again, that pre-snap motion, the things that – you know, McVay's offense is all about throwing you off your rhythm in terms of eye level, in terms of timing – in terms of pace. And so Mafi is one of these linemen that's so flexible in what he can do and so versatile. That's what you need. And when you look at potentially a Cam Akers versus a Kyron Williams versus more of a hammer uh, of a running back and, and having different running styles, you need to be able to have linemen that can create different types of holes for you, whether that's zone, whether that's up the middle, whether that's in between the tackles. And Mafi gives you that. And so I think it would be a tremendous fit to have Mafi uh, be a Ram, stay close to home, and, and be able to bring these Rams back uh, to a state of legitimacy. So I love that pick. You're going to have to protect Stafford, too, given the injury history, given what he's already have in the tank. So I like that one. I'm going to keep it with Rams. Uh, the next guy that I'm going to bring up, I think, really fits a player that is currently on the Rams. That's our guy, Jake Bobo, man. Jake yeah. Bobo, six foot five, great fluidity, just really gets in and out of his breaks, kind of had a breakout year, if you will, for UCLA this year when his talents were able to be displayed a little bit more. I always marveled at his ability to get open in very tight windows. Yep. Uh, Mike Klandick this, this week posted a video of Bobo at the Shrine Bowl 
just torching DBs on some of these routes. So he clearly had a nice week there. Is this guy the next Ben Skoranek? Because I think there's a lot similarities there. I think they're both day three picks. Skoranek was famously a seventh rounder for the Rams. In and out of their breaks, very similar. I think you can run a jet sweep to him like the Rams did with Skoranek. Good blocking, you know, receiver like Benny Sko. I just see a lot of similarities here. Talk me off this ledge, Madman, because I'm all in on Bobo being the next Skoranek. Oh, I love it. I love that pick so much. Uh, and that comparison is so spot on with, with Benny Skrull. And, and the Rams, as you alluded to, did a lot of different things. And 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 Benny Skrull was a little bit sort of a hybrid receiver tight end almost in, in the McVay system this year. And that's kind of the build also that, that Bobo has with that 6'5 frame. You know, the thing that really stood out with Bobo this year, Will, was his ability to repeatedly get open on third down. And you and I have talked about that at length where we knew DTR was going to go to Bobo. And a guy like DTR sometimes likes to really lock in on his primary guy, you know, pre-snap. And so you know it's going that way. And the fact that it happened over and over again, obviously we talked so much about that Washington game when he had six for 127 and two touchdowns. Five of those six were on third down. He had a couple of really big catches in that Oregon game. He had some really big catches in that Cal game at the end of the year. And really over the course of the season, he was clearly wide receiver number one. So I think what he brings to the table is just a feel for the game in terms of how to get open. And I think what makes him very unique is he has the instincts of a really great slot receiver, like a Hunter Renfro, like you know, old school Wes Welker, like these guys who understand soft spots and zones, understand where the weaknesses and coverages are, have really good feet to be able to get open. That's a huge testament to Chip Kelly. And one of the reasons why he came from Duke to UCLA was to learn that nuance. But you combine that skill set of a smaller receiver with a 6'5 frame. And that's what makes Bobo so unique. And so now the things that you can't do with the slot guy which is maybe go a little bit more over the top, have some wider formations, go a little bit longer in the field, do some different things in terms of motion pre-snap to set other things up. You can do that with Bobo given his size and given his catch radius. So I love the Ben Scroll combination. He's one of those kind of Swiss army knife type of receivers that can do a little bit of everything, which is what a McVay would be salivating over. And Will, the other team that I would sort of implore as a, as a possibility for Bobo, and you and I talked about this offline, is McVay's frenemy, great friend, rival, and, and that's my and that's Kyle Shanahan, right? I mean, and, and Shanahan is all about these multidimensional players. When you look at George Kittle and what he can do receiving and blocking, when you look at Debo Samuel and what he can do receiving and rushing, obviously McCaffrey, you and I talked a lot about, hey, are, are they going to be able to afford Ayuk? There's probably they need a little bit more now on the outside to kind of complement these other playmakers. Why not have the versatility of a Bobo with the mind of a Shanahan? So if I think he can, I think he will be best used by the likes of a McVay, a Shanahan, a LaFleur, guys that really appreciate variety and variation in their offense. Yeah, I love it, man. And Quantra's night is up in San Francisco too. So it'd be a nice reunion there. I also want to point out the Chargers, man, like the outside receiver position, you know, Williams and Keenan Allen. Yes, they're very good. But how much have they been healthy the past few years? It's been a constant issue. 
And the like most important skill you have is availability when you're talented like that. Bobo can come in because we know the backup receivers. Palmer's more of a slot guy. Michael Bandy's more of a slot guy. I think I might be missing a name or here too, but they don't really have that solidified outside receiver. They can kind of come in and worst comes to worst. You said Bobo is such a fluid player. He can mix into different spots. He's just a hybrid of a lot of different positions. Oh, we need an H back with Gerald Everett's on the IR. We'll put Bobo there, you know, with Mike Williams going out, let's put Bobo. There. So like, I think this guy could fit in with the chargers too. I think that would be a really cool thing to see him kind of stay in LA and make his name out there, man. It's a great point, Will. And it also kind of speaks to the evolution of the game a little bit. You know, you and I are big NBA guys, obviously. And oh, yeah. what have we seen in the NBA the last six, eight years? What's the revolution really been outside of the three-pointer, of course, has been this idea of positionless basketball, right? Where I can play pick and roll with anybody one through five. Defensively, I can switch with anybody one through five on the court and everyone kind of can do similar things and can do a wide variety of things. I think there's a similar trend, albeit not to sort of the core of the game, but in certain areas in the NFL, when you're talking about more positionless skill players, where that line between wide receiver and tight end and great running back, now that starts blurring. And right, I mean, Debo Samuel is the perfect example of that, right? But we're seeing more of that where these great minds on offense are saying, I don't need just a specialist in this particular case. I need a guy that can do a little bit of everything where I can line up in a lot of different ways to really put those defenses off balance. And Bobo is just another great example of this idea of positionless skill players that these great offensive minds can exploit. And so I think if GMs know what they're doing, they're really going to give Bobo a hard look and he's going to make an NFL roster extremely happy in 2023. Yeah, death taxes and Jake Bobo making big <laughs> catches, man. I mean, that was just the, the theme for the UCLA offense in 2022. Last guy, and this is probably, I think, a player that the fan base is divided on. I know where we stand on. A lot of scouts are probably divided on. Dorian Thompson Robinson, DTR. I still think he's raw. It, it, that's a crazy statement to make. This guy owns every passing record and is still an incredibly raw prospect coming out of UCLA. The things I like about Robinson is I feel like you cannot teach experience. I think one of the reasons, and not to keep this very 49ers centric, but just to take an example from the NFL, the reason Purdy came in and was ready to perform was he was a four-year starter at Iowa State. And I think there's a big correlation to that with Dorian Thompson Robinson. And I do think he is worth a day three pick. I think he could be a really effective quarterback in the right system. I mean, we saw him getting coached up by the GOAT, Mr. Bill Belichick at the Shrine Bowl, which is really cool for us UCLA fans. He definitely deserves a shot at the NFL. I think he can be Tyler Huntley-esque, maybe even better for some of these throws we've seen him make. I mean, we saw it, man. I mean, he was letting it out in the Sun Bowl, you know, before he got injured. That throw to TMA, you know, over the middle. Oh, my gosh. That was unbelievable. The throw he made to Matt Sykes against Colorado. I mean, he had some of these throws that really blew you away. And worst case scenario, you get this guy in there as kind of a dual threat package. You could throw out onto the field, maybe in goal line situations, red zone situations, short yardage situations if you want to run the option. I just think he's got too many tools in the toolbox to be left off the draft board at the end of the 
Madman, give me your thoughts on DTR because I think he's worth a sixth, seventh round pick at the very least. Yeah, Thriller. I mean, and he's obviously been arguably the most polarizing player in the history of UCLA football. To me, unquestionably the greatest competitor in the history of UCLA football. And I think what I love about him is live arm. And and you talked about some of the throws, the throw to Sykes, TMA, that throw to Kaz Allen in the SC game. You know, there there were some dimes that he absolutely dropped over the course of the last couple of years. Of course, his ability to run and extend plays and just the improvisational skills. And then third is just that heart, that competitive toughness of just not backing down from anybody or anything, finishing runs like Charbonnet would finish runs as a quarterback. And then fourth is that leadership and, and having folks be galvanized around him. So those are the four really core skills and principles that you're working with now where it becomes a debate where it becomes a conversation where you start picking a side is how honed in are those four elements and I think his week this past week on the all-star circuit I think was a perfect microcosm of his entire career where even the rating agencies and the media outlets were sort of split on how his week went. On the one hand, everyone said he's got such a live arm and the ball really just pops out of his hand. He can make all the deep balls, tight spirals. And the NFL is in love with guys that can throw the ball deep and who are projects because he's got the things that you can't teach. And then you're thinking that you can teach the things that maybe he's lacking. And then you had the other side that said, well, he had the live arm but we constantly had to sort of coach him up. The ball was late off more often than not, and that was a product of his inability to read defenses, read progressions, and synthesize information quickly enough. So I think you said it best, Will, where he is raw in every sense of the word, but I think you have to sort of look at the landscape of the NFL, and we've talked about this a bit. There's pro- If Aaron Rodgers retires this year, there's probably three elite quarterbacks in the NFL. There's probably another two or three guys like Herbert and Trevor Lawrence who are on the cusp of being elite. Then there's probably five or six guys like Dak Prescott, Matt Stafford, and the like who are not elite, but who who are decent enough, Kirk Cousins, what have you. So that gets you to 10. Then there's 22 teams that really have no clue at what they're doing at quarterback, that are, are one injury away, one good drive away, one good game away, from making a switch at quarterback. And and the team I really look at, Will, is the Philadelphia Eagles. And when you look at Jalen Hurts and you look at his skill set, live arm, can run, was a leader, galvanized people, won big games. But the question with him was, can he process information fast enough? Can he synthesize what he's seeing into a decision? Can he break down a defense? And so what did the Eagles do? They said, well, we don't have one of those three guys. So let's build the offense around Jalen Hurts' skill set. We're going to throw it really short. We're going to throw it really long. And we're going to build off of the zone read game and the RPO mesh. And guess what? It's taken them all the way to the Super Bowl. So DTR has that skill set. And if he's put in the right situation, and if there's enough belief that, look, we can build around this guy to be successful, why can't DTR be a Jalen Hurts. Why can't DTR be a Huntley like you talked about? Obviously, that's more in a, in a backup situation. But we've seen time and again teams be able to make runs around players 
because in the NFL, you're always just one year away from contention. And so that is, I think, the argument for why DTR warrants a day three pick, because there's just too much upside there, where if you're put into the right situation, you can really turn things around. Now, the question with DTR, he's going to have to continue to work on his ability to synthesize information, the accuracy, and just that polished refinement, control his emotions a little bit more at the next level. But the right situation, Will, this guy could be a real diamond in the rough. Completely agree. And I just want to say this is why Jamal Madney is the best co-host around. I mean, just the Eagles comparison just exploded my mind just because we saw Tyler Huntley, you know, be drafted or, you know, picked up by the Ravens who want quarterbacks to continue to fit their system with what they're asking of the quarterback is very injury prone where, you know, a lot of run pass options running the football. I mean, this is the NFL. They're going to be laying big hits out there. You want to have a guy come in that knows your system. That's similar to the likes of Hertz to give you guys similar looks offensively, man. I think DTR in the sixth or seventh round. I mean, Kent, Philly is the classic city of talking shit and like getting hyped up. Dorian Thompson Robinson, ultimate competitor. I mean, that is a perfect match. Like, come on, DTR to the Eagles. I'm all about it, man. I think that's a fine, fine way to cap this thing off. Madman, you are the best, brother. It's always great to see you, dude. We got a huge week coming up. We're going to be in Arizona for the Super Bowl. We are thrilled. It's going to be an awesome time. Madman, how excited are you for this week, brother? Oh, so pumped, Thriller. It's always great to be on Radio Row and, and representing LA Football Network. But more importantly, the fun is the camaraderie that we have and, and that you have and I do and Ryan and 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 Skinny T and, and our whole Motley crew. And uh, for us to kind of band together and have just such a great time in Radio Row and interact with the rest of the industry. It's really just a special time. So I can't wait to see you in person this week, brother. And we're going to have a great time. Big, big week on the horizon. Make sure you're liking and subscribing LAFB UCLA channel. We got big things coming. I've seen an uptick in subscribers already. Let's keep pushing that button to keep us going to the top. We just want to do this for the UCLA community. That's all we want to do. We want to ball out for the UCLA football community. So help us get there, man. Much love to you guys all. Have a great week, and we are out of here for the Bruin Bucks.